Time for rolling. Hey, how's it going everyone? Endless55 here, and welcome to episode 10 of Time for Rolling Esports. Uh, don't know if this is considered a milestone, but for uh, me and Crude, uh, 10 episodes in about a four week span is pretty crazy to us. So uh, we're going to do a giveaway on our Twitter page. Go over to TFR underscore esports. Follow us there. We're going to be handing out a Gangster Gwyn skin for this new 2.3 update. Uh, I already have the skin. It's pretty fun to play. It's a pretty well done skin. Uh, we'll have more details to come on that over on our Twitter page. Uh, on this episode, we break down the last week and the split one of Vanglory 8. Uh, all the crazy stuff that happened. There's a lot of good matchups. Uh, some some nerves on some teams to make it into the top five so they could avoid the challengers. Uh, at the end of the episode, we give away the last of the MVPs for the split, and I hope you guys enjoyed our 10th episode. the right targets that is one trade t tigers he's still pretty healthy tries to jump in he finds one this is a big turnaround for liberation x they might get the third they might find an ace here on two lost boy top surrey strike it's not oh. enough it goes down he might go for donna twips he's gonna get one he's gonna get two lost boy oh. top Time for rolling. Hey, welcome back to Time for Rolling Esports on our last weekend of Bangalore 8 recap. Uh, I'm Endless55. I'm still with Cruise Law. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Exciting first day there. It was exciting first day. Um, for EU, we see right off the bat. Uh, crude, your picks were spot on. I was pretty impressed. I made fun of you for thinking Mowgli was going to be back. Guess who's back? Mowgli was back. Uh, uh, Team Secret, they played pretty well. I mean, it was still a good matchup for G2 Team Secret. Uh, that last matchup, Game 3, we saw Leon get on his rhyme and kind of just make his clutch plays and take that series for Team Secret, move on to semifinals. And I was pretty impressed with Team Secret. Mowgli, he tweeted out, you know, Dressman's better than him. Mowgli straight up said it. But Just Man just needs to work on their communication and the leadership role as a Rome, which or a captain, which I think is it makes sense. You know, Tricky and Just Man are both new to the competitive scene, so yeah, I think that. I mean, he was. We were when I saw that Mowgli was playing, I thought, oh, he was playing for Tricky, but yeah. it was just because Just Man couldn't play or whatever the issue was. Um, but I, yeah, I thought he would be playing for Tricky, but yeah. So the next matchup, we see all Fnatic. They took that two zero. They moved on to the finals. Fnatic still playing well. Um, Tenno JJ, uh, Netalette had a little, uh, some pretty strong plays on that captain role, and I was pretty impressed to see that their synergy is getting stronger and stronger. Uh, so the game after that, we saw Cyclone win 2-0. Um, they did that pretty handedly there as well. There wasn't much competition there either. Yeah, I think we saw PT Lamb go like 16-1 on a pedal. Yeah. It was pretty <laughs> ridiculous how strong they kind of just steamrolled and snowballed that game, but... Uh, yeah, Cyclone was sitting just behind G2 still. I think we'll see uh, later on this episode during Day 2's recap. But uh, the last matchup was SK. I was kind of surprised. Uh, they struggled. The first game it was Rona. You know, uh, Gavalapar on the Rona. Yeah, Gavalapar got his Rona. So he played a really, really strong game. And they won that game. Game 2, they struggled a little bit more. I think their comp wasn't... Uh, they weren't as comfortable in that comp they ran on that in the game, too. 
But then game three, he was on his black feather, and they kind of just you know made a lot of good moves, a lot of good plays, and SK win that as well. So you know we got Team Secret, Fnatic, Cyclone, SK, G two is the only team missing, but those are you know four strong teams. So day two for them coming up is definitely gonna be pretty exciting. Once again, I mean Europe showing out that. Pretty much anyone's in it. I mean, they're a lot more competitive than the NA side right now. You have, like, the top three or four teams in the NA, but every week you almost, it's like someone new is going to win. So. Yeah, and it's definitely exciting. I think it's, you know, every match is sweaty. Every match is intense. It doesn't really matter if it's denial. I mean, we've seen Mouse struggle. Mouse had two players yeah. not play. I don't know if they couldn't play, if they're trying to do new stuff, since they know they're not going to be able to make it out of challengers. Emmer King of, was the only one that was there. Yeah, and Emmer King played, like, a... He he's the he's the captain position. Yeah. He played a carry weapon power Arden, so I don't <laughs> I don't really know what they're doing, but um, yeah, EU's super fun to watch. Uh, it'll be exciting to see once we get to spring live championship if EU all those teams that are competing against each other will continue to compete against the NA side. But uh, let's move over to NA and kind of break down these matchups. We saw you know some dire situations for some of these teams. You know must win to try to get into that top five. Uh, our first matchup, we see Echo Fox versus Hammers. Uh, we both are kind of looking out for Echo Fox to uh, perform and maybe take this. I know I thought Echo maybe be the upset this week and beat Hammers. And, I mean, even though, I mean, spoiler alert, Echo does lose to Hammers, they played really well. They're looking a lot stronger. Yeah, they were so close. Like, every time that I feel like that they were going to, you know, maybe even take the game or take the series, it just ended up one play or one miscue by um, by Echo Fox, Hammers would come back and, oh man, it was, it was close, but once again, Echo falls, so. Yeah, for the draft, we see Hammers banning away Lyra right away. Echo Fox goes ahead and bans away that Adagio. Hammers go ahead and lock in that first pick, Kashka. You know, T-Tiger's on that Kashka. Uh, he's obviously really strong and aggressive. You know, Echo, I was happy with that Lance pickup. I think Cole's probably, that must be, that is definitely his strongest, uh, most comfortable pick. Um, second round of bans, we see Hammers banning away that Glaive, and then we see um, Equifax banning away starting all overs Ringo. Which smart is, choice. I, I kind of called it right away. I was like, look, get your Lance, ban away Ringo. Yep. That's your smartest yep. thing you can do. Those top six heroes right there, Lyra, Dajia, Kashka, Lance, Glaive, Ringo, those are kind of NA's meta right now. So seeing those first six picks, I was, you know, that's exactly what I expected. Uh, coming for second game or second round picks, we see... Hammers, they go ahead and finish up and pick up this weapon power Kestrel with a uh, jungle, or uh, excuse me, a captain fortress. And then Echo Fox, we see a Vox and then a Jewel. So we kind of thought saw this uh, CP Vox come out of Echo Fox. I was pretty excited to see Mishy back on this uh, CP Vox. And, you know, if they can fight in tight locations, like, you know, in the jungle area with, you uh, Cole's Githian Walls, lock people down and use those resonant bounces to stack up. I actually favored, you know, Echo Fox going into this game. I thought their comp was really in their favor, and I thought they were going to play it really well, which we did see that, but, I mean, I think T-Tigers was the main issue. Yeah, T-Tigers was so aggressive with that Kashka play, and, it, I mean, it was interesting to see, you know, how starting all over would play with that Kestrel. We haven't really seen him play that hero very much. Uh, we're so used to him playing on his Ringo that... I, I mean, at least I was curious to see, okay, can he still do what he does with Ringo on this Kestrel? Yeah, we haven't seen Weapon, weapon Kestrel, Kestrel like as strong. EU plays her a little bit, but I mean, I was surprised day one. And yeah, we saw Weapon Kestrel come out quite often. And I say, we'll talk more about that later, too. A couple other players get on that Weapon Kestrel. But. Yeah, but we saw Lone, you know, Lone Duffy being... 
<laughs> so I guess my uh, desktop decided to start playing Welcome to the Jungle in the middle of us talking about the jungle. So um, that was pretty epic. I Yeah, I guess we should probably get back to the important stuff and talking about Lone and these early kills that he got in the jungle. I mean, these early game kills, they don't necessarily mean you get a gold advantage. We saw Hammer still have this gold advantage. Uh, with the early game fighting, Mishy rotated down, and he just kind of lost out on that early lane farm. So he kind of fell behind early, but um, it didn't necessarily affect early game. Yeah, so about min minute 1036, uh, Mishy gets caught out and misses a reflex block against Kashka. And Hammer ends up taking a turret off that, and the gold mine, and a crystal sentry. So, I mean, just that fight, it went from... About a thousand gold lead to a four thousand, just off one mistake. If, if you know, Mishi hits that reflex block, maybe it turns around and goes different. But it didn't didn't work out that way, and they lost a lot of gold lead for it. Yeah, so Mishi rotated up to go towards their crystal sentry, while his team rotated down to you know try to take the longer route, the more safer route. And that's when I think he uh, got locked down. But you know, the next fight we see we see Mishi hit the reflex block perfectly, stop T Tiger from locking him down. And they win that team fight. He silences them back, and he gets those resonance bounces. So, I mean, you see these team fights, really, it just depends who executes. It's not that, oh, one team won the draft. It's like, who can execute? And at that point, Echo Fox executed and kind of, you know, stalled that gold lead out a bit and, you know, had a stronger stronger mid-game. But, uh, unfortunately, Hammer's just, you know, that gold lead was too much. They kind of controlled the jungle, and Echo was close, but just couldn't pull it off that game one, and... Echo Fox goes and takes game one. Yeah, so... Yeah, so they just couldn't pull it off, and Hammers goes and takes game one. So, if you want to dive into the draft, what, what do they have for the draft there? Yeah, so for game two, we see, you know, Echo Fox, they go right away, ban out that Kashka. Um, Hammers goes and follows up that, ban that Adagio. They don't want that chance for uh, uh, Echo Fox to get the Adagio. So, uh, Fox picks up the Lyra, and then Hammers, starting all over, gets his Ringo. So we see that comfort pick come out of them. Uh, for second round of bans, we see Echo Fox banning away that fortress, and we see uh, Hammers banning away that box. Kind of pushing Echo Fox to be maybe in the lane with an uncomfortable laner. Uh, we see Echo Fox, their last two picks. I was kind of surprised with these. We see uh, Mishy picking up the jewel, and then we see um, the jungler spot coming out with that pedal. Uh, Lone Delphi, I know he's played some strong pedals, but I was just surprised. I don't think it maybe was their most comfortable picks. We see Hammers on the other end pick up probably their most comfortable standard yeah. picks. We see an Arden for the captain, and we see T Tigers on this Crystal, which Crystal Kestrel, which was just absolutely a monstrous this game. How many snipes did he have? I think if I counted correctly, uh, we saw T Tigers get like one shot, one kills. I like got five kills off of him, and just like the slit, like Jewel, he kept picking off Jewel, and it was just a sliver hit, like barely hit yeah. him to kill him. Don't I mean, take. some of these, some of those one shot, one kills were like actual changing moments in the game at one point echo fox wins a fight and we see it kind of swinging their way they're you know jewel is jumping in perfectly mishy looked good on the jewel i was really impressed but then you know t tigers gets out of the fight and just sits back and waits and stealth and then sees them trying to push a turret down and he snipes down mishy and now they have to back off they can't take that turret so just that one kill you know kind of just saves hammers a little bit lets them stall it out a little more um but yeah, I mean, based off the just going into the match, seeing uh, hammers on their comfortable picks, I really expected them to just play really well, starting all over on that Ringo. Yeah, I mean, Echo was really aggressive early on, especially with that pedal, which I, I think is a good a good choice. 
Um, but starting and T Tigers are doing so well on kiting back, laying down those traps and winning these fights. So yeah, I mean you just saw it's just it was just perfectly executed for I mean hammers, you know, with T Tigers being able to stealth and get out of the way and constantly laying out those glimmer shots, it was really hard for Jewel to get in there and throw out her thunder strikes to get her damage off, which just made Petal also struggle just as much. Because you know, Petal kinda if she wants to blow up those munions, wants to use her spontaneous combustion, she kinda has to put herself in danger. So um yeah, Echo once again, they had some strong fights, you know. Every fight it could have been gone either way, and I think just you know, in a, if a fight happened, there'd been a little bit of miscommunication. At one point we saw Echo really low, and then for some reason Cole decided to go face check the tri or the yeah. tri bush. And I'm just like if you look at that, if you as our standpoint where we're not playing the game, we're not in that sticky situation, we look at it as your team is not full health. You know you're probably not going to win that fight, so why would Cole want to go in and face check? Why not just back off to your Crystal Century, maybe port, regain, let them take some of the jungle farm. It's not worth dying over it because once Cole dies, they just push the aggressive, and then they have, you know, Echo doesn't have that support they need. So, I mean, Flare, if you don't have Flare, just run. It's not worth yeah, face checking. I mean, I think those are a little bit mistakes, but I think it's also Cole wanting to try to be aggressive and try to keep... I mean, he knows that it's so close in these matches that they're right there. That if they do something, or you know, if they get, they catch out uh, hammers at one point, you know, that can turn the tide of the battle, and so I think that's just him trying to be really aggressive, which I like. But so far, we've just seen it come back time and time again to bite yeah. him in the butt. So. And that's the thing we don't see behind the scenes. We don't see scrims. We don't see who's shot calling there. So if Cole's like, "Let's go, let's go, let's go," if there's any type of hesitant from Delphi or Mishy, just like I don't feel comfortable, and he's going. That's when the fight doesn't go well for them. You know, they have to be same page. And that just comes with time and synergy. And I think Fuji working with the shot calling and working with that comfortability in those matches. I, you know, these two matches, you know, they lost. I am way more comfortable with Equifax going into this challenger battles. Way more comfortable with maybe picking them in the future to stay in Vainglory. Yeah, I think Fuji's getting them to the place that they need to be. It's just taking a little bit of time. So, All right, so let's move over to the next matchups. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see match one of Team Solomid versus Misfits. We do know that Misfits picked Akashka in that first game. They lost to Team Solomid, and that was the first loss for Akashka in Vainglory, or for North America. So Akashka was 19-1 and after that <laughs> match. 19 games she won. That's pretty crazy. I mean, that's really all thanks to uh, people like, you know, Von C, T-Tigers, and uh, even Zeno on that Akashka, pretty dominant. But yeah, for game two, yeah, uh, but- let's, let's break down the draft for game two. All right, so for... Uh, match two, we got Misfits on the A side, Team Solomon on the B side. So right away we see Misfits uh, canceling out that Kashka. We don't want they don't want to mess with that Kashka. Uh, for Team Solomon, they eliminate the Lance, and then both healers get through, so they're both picked up right away. Misfits gets Adagio, Team Solomon gets Lalyra, and then Misfits um, they eliminate the Ringo, and then Team Solomon actually. Uh, bans out that flicker. Uh, maybe that's Flash X saying, hey, now that people know how good flicker is, uh, I don't want them to have that. Uh, so the last two pickups for each team, Misfits picks up a Black Feather and a Fortress, and then Team Selamid picks up a Vox. So Von C on that pedal could be pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, we know Von C is really aggressive, and if you get the slightest advantage on that pedal, you get that slightest, you can just steamroll with her, and the damage that comes out of her, no one can really do much. And that's what we saw right away coming out. We saw that the aggressive draft from both teams, um, I was, you know, who was going to be make the right plays with the aggression? Was it going to be the Fortress and Black Feather? 
or was it going to be the pedal just dominating the jungle? Which, I mean, right away, we saw eight kills in two minutes. That is insane. Like, that's some pretty sloppy early game. That's of, dying, going back, coming right back out, dying, and dying. Going back. <laughs> so it was pretty sloppy fights from both teams, but um, I think it was just maybe King and Illis being wanting that early game advantage and maybe if they do get lucky and win that fight against the pedal and Von C they could take that advantage but unfortunately Von C made the right plays did a couple of pretty insane dodges from the on point coming off of Illis on Blackfeather but uh, yeah pretty much from that point uh, Von C just ran away with it we had a 5,000 gold lead at minute 6 the snowballing just turned into an avalanche and just got completely yes. out of control we saw, you know, Vonsi on that pedal. Frostburn, Broken Myth, Shatterglass, I think before he even had defense. He would kill one person and just move on to the next yeah. and without fear of even being touched. There was nothing to get on him. There was no CC from Misfits. Vonsi couldn't get stunned. Fortress really did nothing to stop Vonsi from getting on top of that pedal. All that, all that Fortress can do is just dive in. There's no, you know, there's no peel away like, okay, we need to retreat back to base. All that, all that Fortress knows is dive forward. That's it. Yeah, and I mean, I think I like their draft, but maybe seeing someone like a Catherine, you know, coming out to stun Vonsi, where Vonsi can't just freely trampoline and in and out because there's nothing to stop him. He, his, there's nothing to stop him from putting out yeah. damage. But, so, I mean, pretty much wrapped up the game. I mean, it was after that early game aggression, TSM took it pretty handily. And uh, the, the final kill count was actually 20 to 3. So, after they got those, after um, Misfits got the three kills early on, TSM just completely destroyed from there on out. I mean, it was a dominant game by TSM. 16 minute win. So, yeah, which I mean, I think going into those matchups, Misfits have struggled throughout these first four weeks. It'll be interesting to see how they do in the challenger battles. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if One Piece picks them up and wants to face them, or you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of strategy behind which team wants to, you know, who they want to play. But let's move on to this game three. Uh, pretty exciting matchup here: Rogue versus uh, Immortals. Both these teams are trying to get in the top five, stay out of those challenger picks. Let's go ahead and break these matches down. All right. So for our first matchup, let's dive into the draft here. Um, Rogue is on A side, Immortals is on B side. We see Rogue right away getting rid of the Lyra, which then Immortals counters that with banning out Adagio. So the first pickup for Rogue is actually Akashka. And I thought it was interesting because Suijay was talking on uh, the analyst desk. He was saying how Rogue has never picked up Akashka, so they weren't really worried about that. And then, surprise, surprise, Rogue picks up Akashka right away. So I think that kind of threw them a wrench right away. So moving on, Immortals then picks up a Lance. And then uh, Rogue bans out Glaive, Immortals bans out Fortress, and then the final two pickups for each team are Rogue gets Vox, and then Rogue picks up Arden, and then Immortals picks up Ringo, and then they finish that up with a Blackfeather. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty unfortunate. I think Sibs, this was his first time playing Kashka in Vanglory 8. He kind of rotates over to Aloha's side right away. Jumps on, steals that mid heal, and then we see and kills Aloha, and we see a pause immediately come out from Immortals. So we saw something was wrong early on. Then we see Aloha chilling in base for a very long time, not doing anything, and we kind of realized immediately there were some latency issues coming out of Aloha. Unfortunately, you know Rogue's been there with Hammy; they've struggled with that as well. It just kind of sucks in these high risk, you know, moments that this happened. This had to happen to Aloha. It's really unfortunate that this first match, you know, was completely dominant on Rogue. There was times where I saw 
Aloha in a fight would like he would alt, but then Black Feather and he he would just stand there because I've been there before where your screen's so far behind, you don't know what's happening because you're yeah. lagging so bad. So yeah, we saw Gro completely dominate game one, sixteen to zero. Uh, and then, you know, we go back to the analyst desk after game one, and then, you know, Sweet Jay, he's gone. Yeah. I mean, real quick, though, props to Rogue, because they they try not to pick on um, that black feather when he was... I mean, they would wait for him to start moving again and then have to finish up. I mean, you can only do so much. You can only be such a good sportsman, I guess you could say, before yeah. you have to just... You know what? This is I mean, Rogue wants to win. Rogue wants to get on as well. So, yeah. I mean, as much as it sucks, and I know they feel their pain, it was just, you know, like, all right, let's get this game over with so they can maybe get a sub in there like they did. They took Sweet. Sweet Jenner's goes ahead and gets in the game for this game two. And uh, I was pretty excited to see Sweet Jenner's come in and play. He's a very extremely smart player. I was interested to see if he was going to be the jungle role or play that captain. But I, I was kind of surprised Bane. He went on the jungle role and it was Sweet. He played the captain. Maybe just because Bane's is more, you know, plays more, has that more experience. But um, yeah, so for game three, let's break down the draft of the, or game two, excuse me, let's break down the draft of Immortals versus Rogue. Uh, we see Immortals, they ban away that Lyra. Rogue, they go ahead and ban away Adagio. Then we see this Kashka coming out for Immortals, which Vayne's plays this Kashka. Then we see Rogue pick up the Ringo. Uh, for second round of bans, we see Immortals ban away that pedal, and then Rogue ban away that box. You know, trying to you know get a maybe not a strong hero in the lane, which there's still a lot of strong ones. We see for the second round, of the last two pickups for Immortals, we see that Fortress coming out, which is that early game aggressive. You know, that normal comp is Fortress, Kashka, Ringo. Immortals goes ahead and replaces that with a Gwen, who is basically another Ringo with a slightly different kit. Yeah, and then to finish up Rogue's draft, you see uh, a Glaive coming out, and then uh, Lance. We see this utility Glaive that we haven't seen as much recently coming out from Sibs, and I was pretty excited to see you know, this new matchup between a completely different team coming out of Immortals. Yeah, I was kind of torn between this draft, actually. I like Immortals' pickups with the, the Kashka Fortress, the movement speed, the early game aggression that comes out. But I know that if Rogue can kind of get a little bit in the later game, they have a little bit more of a stronger front line for that Ringo, I mean, with that Glaive and that Lance. Um, so I was kind of interested to see how this would go. And I was surprised, actually, starting out, Rogue kind of handled that early game better than what Immortals did, which, you know, obviously surprised me with that Kashka and that Fortress. But, I mean, that didn't hold up. It kind of started to switch there. After the eight-minute mark, there was a, a fight. Immortals got a good fight at the eight-minute mark and kind of turned the momentum, so... Yeah, I think early on we saw Sweet kind of struggle. He had a bad rotation, got caught out. He had quick zero, uh, three deaths, and, you know, just shaking off the rust. I'm sure he's nervous. He just had to randomly jump in and play yeah. a game. That's not something easy for him to do, even though how you know talented and how smart of a player he is. But, yeah, I was surprised. I thought they were going to dominate early game, and Rogue would have to, you know, stall out to get to late game. But actually the exact opposite happened. We saw late game. Rogue started, you know, some sloppy fights. Um, Bane's got some clutch lockdowns on Hammy, which kind of turned the table. It was still back and forth. At one point, we saw Rogue, you know, pushing down the Kraken. I was like, oh, it's a good push for Rogue, and they kill Kraken, and then they end up acing them, and they got to, you know, just base rush and end up winning the game. So I was surprised with how it was kind of back and forth through most of it. I think Rogue should have won. It's not that they played sloppy and had uh, bad um, some b bad plays, but overall, I think 
Immortals just uh, ended up on top. Yeah, and not to take away from the you know original team of Immortals with Aloha, Veins, and D'Enzio, but I think having Suijay actually in-game and be able to make in-game shot calls really helped them out, on, especially in that late game on when to do what, where to rotate when. I think he was a mastermind when it came to that. Which is something we don't really know, is who does the shot calling while they're there? Is it D'Enzio? Is it, you know, is it just uh, Veins? Because yeah. then when you have someone like Sweet who knows what his team needs to be doing, when he gets in the fight with them, does he take over? Or they stick with a comfortable Sweet, like, takes a step back, I'll let you guys do your thing, I'm just going to be here to support and try to just help as much as I can. Yeah. But yeah, so we do go into game three. Uh, you know, this is do or die now for Rogue. They got to win this matchup to get to the semifinals so they can maybe take one game in the semifinals to, uh, you know, get into that top five spots. We see the draft coming out of Rogue here. Uh, Mortal or Rogue bans without Lyra. You know, Kashka. Immortals doesn't want to see that Kashka, so that's banned away first as well. Uh, we see a Rogue pick up the Adagio. I was kind of surprised that uh, Rogue or that Immortals didn't ban away Adagio, but I understand you don't want that Kashka, that early game aggression. Uh, we see Immortals pick up a Ringo right away. Second round of picks, we get two of the captains out of here, which I wasn't surprised with. I wasn't surprised with Fortress, but then Mortals goes ahead and bans away that uh, that flicker. And then for the last two picks from Rogue, we see Arden and Rona. So I was pretty excited to see Rona come out in NA, uh, that jungle Rona, and see how Sibs was going to do on her. I haven't really seen him play her much. And then for the last two picks from Immortals, we see a Lance and a Catherine. So I, you know... St- straight up think, you know, oh, weapon power Lance, we're going to see a, a Captain Catherine, but, you know, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting looking at this draft, actually. Seven Captain Heroes were either banned or picked up. Like, who needs a carry and a jungler when you can just use Captain Heroes for every position pretty much, right? So many flexes out there in the game right now. You don't know who's going to play where. Yeah. I was just kind of disappointed over, like, all in all, just because of... I think Catherine's Jungle Calf, which we'll see later on, we'll talk more about. But uh, I think Weapon Power Lance maybe has offers a little more aggression, a little more damage than this Catherine does. I think Catherine uh, applies her CC just as much at Jungle or Rome. But uh, we saw kind of, you know, Evolve and Sibs just kind of being that dominant, unstoppable combo. Sibs, he didn't really go too aggression on his build. He had a lot of defense with that uh, Serpent's Mask. He just really tried to stay alive as long as possible, allowing Hammy on that Adagio to just get as much damage off as possible. We saw some insane clutch, you know, um, vanguards and, like, fountains just to barely keep Sibs alive. Yeah, I mean, I was actually really surprised, though. Like, I kind of thought that Catherine was a, a, a nice pick because it would be able to help stun out that Rona when it was in his red mist or even that Adagio if it was going to, uh, when, when Adagio was going to ult, but it, it really backfired. I mean, Catherine did not really work out as well as what I thought they, that they had wanted to. So I think that was Suijay in his his mind, you know, picking that calf, which, I mean, probably, you know, obviously can work really well. It just may not have been executed to what they thought it, it, they could execute it to. So. Yeah, at one point it was pretty interesting. We saw maybe the turning point of the match was we saw Sui baiting out the, the Crystal Miner with, you know, he's on that lance, he's starting to take it. And we saw Veins go up to the mid healer and stand in the corner. It wasn't there. So when, uh, when Rogue rotated down to come to the tri-bush to spot out Sui, you know, Veins immediately blast tremors, uses his alt, and tries to silence all of them while um, D'Enzio's sitting back waiting for that to happen. But it just shows how talented Evol was. He sees in the corner of his eye somehow. I would not be paying attention to that right side of the map. 
but sees Vane's alting, reflex blocks it, blocks the silence, and D'Enzio comes running in because, you know, he thought the silence was going to come out. Doesn't happen. They turn the fight. They win. Get the Crystal Century. You know, that was a really good turning point for, you know, Rogue in that match. Yeah, but overall for these three matchups, I mean, I think Rogue, you know, they made the right plays at the right time. They looked extremely strong. These young talents, we know they're young. We know they're talented. And we're just kind of waiting for them to, you know, hit their stride and start playing well. So we'll see how they do in day two, coming up in this, in, later in this episode. But I think it's a good start for Rogue, and they need to take this momentum into day two. Yeah, they gotta they got to pull out some wins here to get over the Immortals so that they're not in that challenger, uh, the challenger battles. That's not where they want to be, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yep, so the last match of the day was kind of the one that a lot of people were keeping their eye on. We saw a lot of, you know... Trash talk. Trash talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it as it is, trash who, talk. Who's the better? Who is actually... I think the, the big argument is that Gangstar's never had to play Team Solo mid first round, and Cloud9 did. So that's why Gangstar's got the early uh, point advantage, and that's why they were in second, which we saw, um, you know... King Stars and Cloud9 played the last two weeks, and Cloud9 beat them last week. Uh, and this week was kind of their time to make their statements, and Gang Stars to be like, no, we are, you know, we deserve second place. And I think it was it was just a frustrating matchup. Yeah. All that no matter who you're rooting for, there's a lot of frustrating coming out of both teams and just some of the mistakes they made. I think both teams are so timid. All the matches, no one want to make mistakes, and it was just. It was really a high-tension game for both players. But let's go ahead and break down the first matchup. So for game one, you actually have Gangstars versus Cloud9. Uh, Gangstars on the A side, Cloud9 on the B side. Uh, so Gangstars right away, they ban out Lyra, and Cloud9 counters that with Adagio. Uh, so for the first pickup for Gangstars is Lance. And then the first pickup for Cloud9 is that pedal. We've seen that pedal be picked up quite a bit today. Um, so then Gangstars comes back and bans out Finn, which I thought that was interesting. You don't normally see that too often. but I think the main thing with them banning out that Finn was uh, the fact that with Lance, you can knock back people. And, you know, with Finn, he doesn't get knocked back. He doesn't get moved around. So having, you know, Finn banned away, not allowing Cloud9 to pick up Finn to be that tanky front line was a smart move for uh, Gangstars. Yeah, so then, I mean, then we see Cloud9 uh, get rid of that Kashka, and I think that was a smart choice because they didn't want Xenotech on that Kashka. So they eliminate him, and then the last two pickups for each team, Gangstars gets a Kestrel and Baron, and then Cloud9 gets Vox and Catherine. So um, I was excited to see Xeno on his Kestrel and see how well he does with this Kestrel. Yeah, I mean, logistically, it makes sense for Iraqi to be on that Baron. Uh, there's a lot of AoE, a lot of crowd control to help control that pedal. Uh, he can throw out his A's, you know, can kind of keep her Munions under control. But, I mean, Ringo was not picked. I don't know if the game would have, you know, ended differently if he did pick Ringo. I just felt like throughout the game, Iraqi was not very comfortable. He was 0-3 at one point. He wasn't really doing much. He was kind of just getting taken down. He couldn't get his damage out like he normally does. So I think Ringo may have been better pick. I get why he picked Baron. It's a good counter to that pedal. But it just didn't work out for him as much throughout this match. Um, I mean, like we said earlier, it was just slow matchups all together. Uh, we saw the first kill at 11.25. And, it was like just a sl- and from there, it was kind of like back and forth. Both teams were picking up kills just depending on uh, the rotations and where they were positioning-wise. But... Uh, we saw Cloud9. We think I think Gabe with that calf pickup was a good counter, and I think that was probably what won Cloud9 that first matchup. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Iraqi being on Baron and 
um, old school being on Vox. Both of those guys are kind of late game heroes. That's why you know it was so slow in the beginning. There wasn't really much early game aggression. Maybe you could get a little bit out of that pedal, but I think both teams, you know, and they and both teams, their track record, they play, you know, not early game aggression. They they want to build up for that late game. So I think that was kind of the other reason why it was so slow starting out. Uh, Baron gets online. That Vox gets his double tyrants monocle, and then that's when the teams can really start doing some damage on each other. Yeah, so we see Cloud9 taking game one, you know, put gangsters in that hole. They need to win this game two. Uh, so for drafts for game two, we see Cloud9 ban away that Kashka right away. Uh, then we see gangsters ban away that Lance. I was kind of surprised with that. Maybe would have liked to see them ban away Adagio because they gave uh, Cloud9 that Adagio. And then we see, um, so yeah, we see gangsters ban away that Finn, which I was kind of surprised, you know, because Lance was banned away, which that's why they kind of banned away that Finn. But maybe. There's other things with them banning away a fan that helps them, you know, play better. Or maybe just the comp they were trying to run. But then for the last two pickups, we see Cloud Nine banning away that Black Feather, and then or Cloud Nine pick up the Black Feather, and then then pick up that Catherine. And then we see the last two picks for Gangstars. We see them pick up that Kestrel, and then the Petal. So going into this matchup, I really favored Cloud Nine's draft because, you know, seeing Old School in the lane on this Crystal Adagio. Seeing Blackfeather in the jungle on Lyle of Joseph, and then seeing Gabe on Catherine again. But that's not what they ran. They ran a completely different comp. I mean, they kind of put all their eggs in their basket with old school doing the damage. Um, they had, it was Gabe Vizzle on the Adagio, and then I love Joseph on the Catherine. Yeah, so instead of, you know, having that dominant uh, force coming out of um, old school and the Adagio, they put I love Joseph on this more CC. Uh, a storm crown with some defensive items. Catherine, I love Joseph is so aggressive. He's someone that makes plays for that team. I was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand the thinking behind it. Uh, I know Catherine may be viable in the jungle, which we actually haven't seen. She uh, has an own two record now after this game. So I would have liked to see the comp, maybe the positions on where they played be changed. But I'm sure, you know, the players and their scrims, they do everything for a reason. But I mean, Zeno, man. Zeno and Iraqi in this game, they both looked really strong. Yeah, I think the, one of the reasons why Zeno looks so strong as well is because wrecked early game. He had a lot of vision. He was putting out that vision, and that's a good way for that Kestrel to be able to move around that map without, you know, risk of being caught out, even though he has his own stealth. But that will just help Zeno that much more be able to, to run the jungle and kind of get that snowball going and start doing some serious damage. Yeah, I mean, wreck. Rex had a lot better. He's been criticized for being able to block away silences and kind of have his crucibles down time correctly. That's a really hard uh, ability to time and to block out. It's hard to see the blast trimmer come out. So there's a couple times where he did block it, which kind of gave the advantage over to Gangstars. Uh, still another slow matchup, but you know at the end of the game too, we see Gangstars coming out on top. Iraqi really just dominating on that Kestrel, and I was really happy to see him. You know, you know, use a hero that he nominates on unlike that Baron in that game one. Yeah, I mean, they it was a perfect game. Uh, Gangstars came away with, I think, I think it was a 16-0, I think it was. I think it was 16-0, but, I mean, yeah. So, Gangstars had great rotations, great gameplay, and finished up game two with a win to force that game three. Yeah, so for game three, real quick, let's break down this draft. Um, for the first round bans for Gangstars, they banned away that Lyra. Cloud9 goes ahead and follows up and bans away the Adagio. Gangstars pick up that wreck or get pick up the wreck, basically pick up wreck because <laughs> it was a Lance, which is Rex, probably one of the strongest right now. Then we see that Glaive coming out, which I was kind of excited. Maybe we were going to see a utility of uh, that Captain Glaive. 
Uh, second round bans for Gangstars. Finn again. So now I'm just convinced that Gangstars just don't like Finn and there's something about Finn they don't play well into. Or with their scrims against Cloud9, they know they run something with Finn that really works for them. And then for the second round ban for uh, Cloud9, they ban away that Kashka. Uh, for final pickups for Gangstars, we see kind of the trend continuing. We see that Kestrel in the pedal. And then we see the last two picks for Cloud9. Vox and Samuel, which from the very beginning before the game started, they had talked about on the desk that if they make it to the late game, that Vox is just going to do a little more damage than Kestrel because of the resonance bounces, the breaking point stack can stack up pretty easily, and Samuel can beat that pedal late game with him kiting, that frost burn is really hard for pedal to stick on top of Samuel, so I mean, throughout the whole match, it was Gangstar's game to lose. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting, too. We saw that Gangstars picked up that Kestrel. So they picked up Kestrel every single game in this in this matchup. Um, only this time that Iraqi was on Kestrel with that weapon power, and that put Xenotech on that crystal power uh, pedal. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're seeing more. I think we're seeing more and more. You know, weapon power Kestrel, she is viable. Her glimmer shots, we saw if Iraqi could get right positioning and could get past that, uh, that Glaive... It was like 450, 500, yeah. so crit's coming out. Serious like, damage. But the problem is with that Samuel, who can just throw out his Drifting Dark and draw and you know kite, kite backwards, it really just it makes it hard for uh, Iraqi to get into that without you know taking damage. But um, yeah, it was a slow-moving game. Uh, Gangsters took the first turret at minute 10, so I mean, that's when I started thinking, like, all right, Gangsters, you know, you can start getting some map control and start you know, making the game to- go towards like your side. Yeah, I mean, at the 15-minute mark, there was, like, a huge turnaround for C9. Like gang- like you said, Gangstars early on is just, you know, they're taking control and, like, okay, we got this. They're, they're You know, they're starting to do maybe a little bit of a snowball effect. And uh, I think it was Gangstars was going down to their the C9's Crystal Century. Was that? And they were going down there to... I think they were just going to try to eliminate it. And C9 kind of caught them out and switched it around and um, aced them. And that went back. They went back up, and that allowed them to take the Kraken. So I was just kind of curious why Gangstars would go that far out into C9 side when they have kind of that early game aggression and they have that early game control. I think they kind of got caught out. And C9, you know, as good as they are, were just waiting for that perfect moment to just kind of flip the switch and flip the script on them. Yeah, the first team fight that C9 won, it kind of uh, it didn't really swing it yet in their favor. It just kind of proved that like uh, Gangstars needed to play a little more safer and you know pick right fights. And then, you know, a little bit later, we see another fight in their, in Cloud9's Tribush again, where Iraqi kind of saw a moment to run in and get Glimmer Shots off, but really, like, you can't have your carry leading the charge. And he it just, face-checked the book, or the, the bush. Yeah, he was right there with Wreck, but he was still ahead of Wreck, which allowed, I mean, if Wreck is not bottled, or if Wreck is not body-blocking those, you know, the Drifting Dark and those Vowed Verdicts coming out of Samuel, you know, that's that's a lot of damage to take for Iraqi. You know, he's not trying to stack defense. He's got Breaking Point, you know, Sorrow Blade, Tyrant's Monocle. He's got all those items where he's supposed to spit damage. He, he needs to be in the back line for that fight. And that's really what, you know, that fight, you know, Wreck got slept, so that means he can't get his actives off. And it just really proved that Cloud9, they had the patience, they, had, they executed perfectly in their mechanics all together at that late game. Honestly, just they beat Gangstars fair and square. Yep, uh, it was a really good showing by C9, even with that third game the way it was going. I, I, shot, I thought it showed them have a lot of poise and be able to turn that fight around and go, hey, we're not freaking out yet. We know what we're doing. We'll we'll take care of this. Yeah, so it was a good day one. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of great matchups that still matter for points. We know we'll see Rogue playing against Team Solo mid. They got a tough road, but. Uh, 
There's some good EU games going on, too. Don't sleep on that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of good matches for day two, and we'll be back later to finish up this uh, recap of the final weekend of Vanglory 8. All right, so let's go ahead and break down this day two semifinals for EU, then we'll do the finals, and then we'll move on to the good stuff in the NA. All right, so for EU, for semifinal one, we had Team Secret going up against Cyclone. Uh, Team Secret took that one, so they moved on to the championship. And then we had SK versus Fnatic, and SK won that one. So we had a Team Secret versus SK championship, which set up a Cyclone versus Fnatic third-place matchup. Yeah, we were looking forward to see uh, is SK going to become the new uh, a new champion in uh, EU, or if Team Secret would get that win. And uh, we saw Mowgli playing, and it was I was kind of interested to see how Team Secret was going to match up against SK. But uh, Team Secret, I went to three games, and Team Secret actually edged SK there and got first this final week. So I know Mowgli was pretty excited to see his team getting first, and he's pretty excited for second split to see how they do but i mean the final point breakdown for europe is uh pretty close all together we got cyclone taking first place with 19 sk gaming with 19 just slightly losing that tiebreaker we see g2 um to, at 18 we see team secret at 16 fanatic at 11 Rising Lotus at 8, Denial at 3, and Mouse Sports at 0. So we see Rising Lotus, Denial, and Mouse Sports. They will be in the Challenger Battles for EU coming up this next weekend. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to Day 2 from NA. Let's start uh, looking at some of these drafts and uh, you know start breaking down them. Let's see, for our first matchup, we've got uh, Cloud9 versus Hammers. Yeah, so for let's dive into the draft. Um, for... Match one, it was Cloud9 on the A side and Hammers on the B side. Uh, so starting out, Cloud9 banned out that Kashka, and then Hammers came back with uh, a Daggio banned out, which opened up the Lyra for Cloud9. They picked that up right away. And then uh, Hammers actually picks up a Fortress. And then for the second round bans, Cloud9 bans out Ringo, and then Hammers bans out Petal. So the last two pickups for each team was Cloud9 picked up a Lance, and they also picked up a Glaive, and then Hammers picks up Vox, and they also pick up Kestrel. Yeah, so we were kind of looking at this Cloud9 mat, uh, the draft and trying to figure out who was going to play where. Uh, we see Old School go in the lane without Lyra. We see um, Gabe Vizzle on that Lance. Then we see I Love Joseph on that weapon power glaive. So I know me and you both were excited to see maybe this burst damage actually coming out of a glaive and instead of him being that utility. Uh, I know you had mentioned some frustrations about Hammer's draft and you not really liking this draft for them going into this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, so they pick up this fortress, which I know I've heard the analysts talk on the desk and stuff. Like, I mean, I know Sweet Jay's talked about it and stuff like that. Um, Fortress is all engage and no disengage. So that's fine if you're going to do that, but you have to get that early game. You have to, you know, kind of start that snowball because, I mean, if you're down and you're just getting trampled, there's no, Fortress can't get out of the fights when they want to get out. It's all engage. So it's just like, if you don't get that early game aggression, you're going to be in trouble the entire rest of the game. The problem with the early game aggression is, Hammers doesn't have their carry and jungler. The, uh, those Vox and Kestrel are more of 
uh, a poke comp. They kind of sit back and they poke. They're not someone that needs to be diving into a fight. So that fortress yeah. is kind of useless anyways. Like who's who's do- who's running in with him? No one. Fortress is running in and dying by himself. And if he does dive in, all um, I love Joseph has to do is afterburn in the back line and get on top of you know the Vox or the the Kestrel. So I mean, honestly, hammers. I'm not a big fan of saying, uh, you know, who won or lost the draft. You know, it just depends on who executes better. But in this case, I, I just, you know, hammers are going to be struggling. It's going to be an uphill battle for them to try to, you know, for for them to try to keep their carries and junglers safe, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was interested to see T-Tigers on this Kestrel with um, some of maybe his snipes. We saw the other uh, day one, he had like those five or six one shot actual one kill so i was kind of interested to see that but he did he did pretty decent on it i, I mean nothing crazy but yeah i mean i think hammers just kind of straight away what they normally do to be successful and what they normally do to really dominate so uh we see cloud nine pretty much just dominate that game and there really wasn't much more to talk about uh cloud nine takes game one and then we uh you know move on to game two to see if hammers can maybe get a better draft out of it so for game two, we see Hammers on A side. They ban away that Lyra right away. And then Cloud9 uh, goes ahead and uh, bans away that Adagio. We see Hammers first pick Kashka, which is a pretty smart pickup. And then we see Cloud9 pick up that Lance, which is something that has been starting to be a great counter towards that Kashka, even though Kashka's win rate was uh, like 22-1 and one or something crazy like that. Lance is probably your best bet to, you know, keep your carry and keep your jungler safe and try to knock away the Kashka or stun her into the wall. Um, for for second round bans, Hammer's ban away that Glaive, and then Cloud9 goes ahead and bans away that Fortress. Uh, once they saw that uh, Kashka pick up, you really don't want that Fortress paired up with that Kashka. Uh, for the last two picks, Hammer's, we see them pulling out that Vox and an Arden, so I was pretty happy to see Arden back out there on the fold. And then for Cloud9, we see this Ringo and a pedal picked up. So I was pretty excited to see I love Joseph back on this pedal. It's starting to become another signature hero of his. Yeah, I think that was a great pickup for them. Uh, that, that was kind of to help, I guess, deal with that early game aggression that might be coming out from Kashka. Um, I, I mean, it worked to their advantage. Um, Hammers was trying to be aggressive early, obviously, with that Kashka, and it, it just kept backfiring on them. I mean, I love... I love Joseph was doing a great job on that pedal. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Kashka and pedal, they don't really too hard. They're not too big on the countering each other, but it really just depends on if, you know, Kashka can clear those Munions and get on top of pedal. But otherwise, I love Joseph did a great job against um, T-Tigers kind of kiting away and using pedals Munions to chunk him down and, um, I think Hammers really needed to control that early game, and they didn't do a very uh, good job of controlling early game. Uh, they allowed I Love Joseph to kind of be that carry coming out of the jungle and really dominate for Cloud9. Obviously, starting or um, obviously Old School did a really great job on that Ringo, but I almost said starting all over just because I'm so used to starting all over playing Ringo. <laughs> no, no one else really plays them. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, just Gabe. I mean, his glay or his uh, Lance this game was just insane. Like, he would impale, but he would so quickly use his B and Githian wall to get him stunned up against a wall. It was just insane how fast it was. His reaction time was absolutely crazy that game. And, honestly, I think Gabe definitely just made all the plays for his team and really set him up for success in this game, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I saw... A couple times his Githian walls getting all three members. And when you can get all three members, it's a 
it's a good feeling. You know, you can get that one or two second uh, stun there. And, you know, if you're trying to get out, get the, uh, get that pedal or that Ringo to a safe spot, it kind of frees that up. So um, it was basically this game. I mean, it was C9 just starving out hammers and having control of the game the whole time. I mean, it was pretty cut right after that. It was a sub 15 minute win for cloud nine. So they pretty much pushed in and destroyed the turret. But before Kraken could even get on the pole, they didn't even need the Kraken. Yeah, I think this is a, a trend we're going to see for the rest of the day for Cloud9. A uh, pretty dominant team uh, for this weekend four of Vanglory 8. So uh, the next matchup, we were pretty interested to see how this one turned out. Rogue, you know, their desperate need for at least uh, one point to get out of the challenger battles. I know Immortals were holding their breath, and they watched these matchups closely. So uh, for the draft for this game one of Team Solo Mid and Rogue, we see Team Solo mid banning away Ringo right away. I was kind of surprised about that. And then Rogue follows up their ban with a, a Lance. So they let Adagio roll through this one. They let Adagio on a, be picked up by Flash. Um, and then we see Lyra picked up by Rogue. For second round bans, we see Kashka being come out. And then we see this Flicker come out uh, banned for Rogue. Last two pickups, we see a Glaive, and then we see a Finn. I was pretty surprised to see that Finn. Uh, once again, we got this team comp that's all three captains. You don't really know who's going to play what or where. Uh, Finn, he's not necessarily a jungler, so we can kind of assume that he'll be on that captain position. Uh, for the last two pickups for Rogue, we see Vox and Blackfeather coming out. Yeah, I mean... Like you were saying, how those were all three, three captains. Obviously, TSM went with more of like a bruiser comp compared to what Rogue had. Um, Rogue was maybe be a little bit more squishy. I guess that black feather gets a lot of defense, but uh, that Vox is squishy a little early game. So I know that I think their their plan was to have that Glaive try to catch uh, that Vox out early in the lane and get, get some ganks off and kind of help steamroll that early game. Yeah, I think with Team Solomon's comp, they played it perfectly. They kind of just... Uh, you know, played a really slow, methodical game and waited for Rogue to engage and be the aggressor. Team Solo Mid farmed up and would just wait. Uh, they used that Fen really to just, his Force Accords and Quivers were really on point on Flash X. And uh, I think around, you know, past 10 minutes, we saw Sibs. I think he just got impatient. We still had no kill, kills past 10 minutes. I think Sibs just kind of got baited out a little far. And uh, First Blood went over TSM around 10 minutes, but... I think pretty much for the rest of this match, TSM had a pretty perfect game. Yeah, I mean, it was just TSM choking out Rogue pretty much. They had control of jungle, um, not letting them get much farm to try to get back into the game. Um, TSM, they unleashed the Kraken and rushed the base for an 18-minute win in a perfect game. So that pretty much sums that up. Yeah, I was hoping... Uh... It's a pretty hard matchup for Rogue to get a game out of against TSM. So, you know, game two, I was excited to see if Rogue could get a strong draft for themselves and maybe put TSM in an uncomfortable place where they could actually take a game from Team Solo mid, which I think Rogue did a pretty decent job in this draft, and they did a pretty decent job early on in the game. You want to break down the draft for this game? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for this one, Rogue was on A side, TSM was on B side. Um, Rogue, go ahead and they ban out that Lyra, and then TSM follows that up with ban out the Adagio, so both healers are out for this one. Uh, and then Rogue goes ahead and picks up that Kashka. Um, I thought that was a great pickup. I mean, obviously, that Kashka's got a great win win rate. So uh, Team Solomed then go ahead, and they pick up the Ringo, 
And then the final bands, Rogue bands out Pedal, and Team Solomid uh, bands out that Flicker. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt so you real we, quick. Uh, I mean, we see this Pedal band come out, which I understand. They didn't want to see um Fonsi on this pedal but i really would have liked them to see them ban out that lance uh we see sibs just really get bullied by flash x on this lance in this game and i think kasha would have been much more effective here if they didn't have that cc coming out of lance yep so for the final two pickups rogue had uh arden and vox and then like you said team Solomid uh flash x on that lance and then uh rona was picked up as well i was kind of surprised by that rona pick i haven't seen we haven't seen tsm play rona I mean, the analysts were talking about, oh, are we going to see a CP Rona? And I was like, actually, that would be pretty amazing to see Vonsi on a CP Rona. I think the much more viable and the smarter thing was to run a CP Ringo, which is still just as surprising. But I think a CP Ringo works out much more and scales much better in a late game than that CP Rona does. Yeah, I mean, best Chuck NA on that CP Ringo was nasty. I mean, I loved his he his build was perfect. I mean, he had that Eve of Harvest to help do that sustain for later in the game. I mean, he wasn't getting just completely obliterated right away. Um, his Hellfire Brews do obviously quite a bit of damage. So I thought that was a really smart build by um, Best Chuck. And I think he went like 14 and two. So it, it worked out for him. That's for sure. Yeah. I think we saw a team fight right around um, Rogues, Tribush and TSM. There was a, you know, a pretty even fight. Uh, we saw, I forget if it was Sibs. I think it was Hammy probably retreating after they kind of lost the fight, and we see, you know, Best Chuck get the Hellfire Brew off after the fight was over. He saved it for the end of the fight, and I think it, it hit for about 800 burst damage, and, I mean, Hammy knew there was nothing he could even do. So that Hellfire Brew, when that comes out to start a fight, it can really disrupt and make the enemy team panic. Or if you know you're winning fights, you can save it to kind of pick off someone who may be getting away at the very end of it to get that last-minute ace. So, yeah, like you said, best shot with that. You know, a surprise maybe kind of pick up on that Eva Harvest. You know, the normal or the standard alternating current, Broken Myth, Eva Harvest really just, you know, that procs when you're doing the Twirling Silver, and it just really helps you get that sustain. Uh, he can get his uh, Achilles shot off on... Um, Sibs when he's jumping on that cash cut and really just helped you know keep him alive just a little bit longer to allow Vonsi to honestly just red miss and get stacks up on that Rona. Yeah, I mean the other thing I was kind of shocked about too, you had mentioned that Kashka. Sibs, I mean, at the seven minute mark, I was noticing that he still did not have a tier three item. Like he had he had his build was so spread out. Like there was he had tier one shield, tier one armor, and then a couple other, I think, tier two um, offensive items. But, I mean, most most of the time you see these guys try to go after, you know, either, either an Aftershock or the, the Shattered Glass, whatever they're going after. So I just noticed that, you know, Sibs would dive in and he wouldn't be able to do that much damage. He wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, eliminate that Ringo or anything like that. He, he would get in, do a little bit of damage, and he'd have to start running again because he wasn't just doing putting out the damage like they normally would. So I thought that was really interesting on why... He was kind of spreading out that that build a little bit more and not, you know, rushing to get that aftershock or that shattered glass. I mean, against a team like Team Solomid, they really pay attention to this small macro type styles at these games where when they notice they have tier three items, those final tier three items before the enemy team does, they really take advantage of those early game spikes. And, you know, if you see uh, best Chuck with a Sorrow Blade first before Hammy gets his breaking point, you know, they're going to force that fight early. And at seven minute mark, normally you see a lot of these players, they're picking up their first tier three by minute five. So 
with Sibs maybe being a little cautious with how much damage was coming out of um, Team Solo Mid, uh, I think it was you know difficult for them or Sibs in general to you know decide if he wanted to rush aftershock or not. And I realized I just said that uh, Best Chuck had a Star Blade, and I already forgot that he was CP. That's how I'm <laughs> so not used to him being CP. So I mean, it would have been his uh, alternating current he uh, pulled out first, but. Yeah, I think overall Team Solo Mid, they had it was I thought Rogue early on was gonna take it this game, but that CP box just scaled so well into that or that CP Ringo scaled so well into that late game. Yeah, well it was actually funny, like I, I was taking notes during the game and at the sixteen minute mark, uh Team Solo Mid started like the, to go after the crack and they started up the crack and and I'd start writing down because I thought there was no way that Rogue was gonna be able to even contest it or anything like that. I started writing down that, you know, TSM takes Kraken at the 16-minute mark, and then all of a sudden, here comes Evol and that Arden. He comes running in, and all he did was Vanguard at the perfect time, and he stole it. And, I mean, the announcers or the analysts were even like, oh, my gosh, he just stole that. I, yeah, so that was kind of funny that he stole it, but uh, all for not, TSM still won at the 20-minute mark. So, Yeah, I think uh, stealing it on a Vanguard is probably a lot harder than the blood for blood the vanguard probably yeah. does very small damage and that's yeah that's pretty lucky timing it kind of just i mean allowed his him to extend the game for his team and maybe win a team fight but like you said uh we see rogue dropping that second game and immediately we jump into that third place matchup of rogue versus hammers they've streamed they played it on stream because we were still looking to see if rogue was going to be able to you know get one win so they can stay out of that challengers battle so we move right on into Rogue versus Hammers. This is a third-place matchup. Uh, we see right away Rogue on the A side. They ban away that Ringo. Uh, Hammers go ahead and ban away Adagio. Uh, once again, we see Sibs. He picks up that Kashka. I don't really know if how. I mean, he's obviously comfortable. They practice. They've been practicing Kashka a lot. But this today was his first day. Uh, yeah. or, you know, playing this Kashka this much like he has been. So we see him on that Kashka. Then we see Hammers go ahead and pick up that Lyra. Uh, obviously, Rogue felt like prioritizing that Lyra pick was not necessary, so they go ahead and give that healer over to Hammers, which ends up kind of biting them in the butt after they see what Hammers' comps end up being. But for second-round bans, we see Rogue ban away that uh, pedal, and then we see Hammers ban away that box. Uh, for the last two picks of Rogue, we see a Lance come out and a Gwen. I was pretty excited to see that Gwen and see how she does. And then we see Hammers plot a Kestrel, and then we see them lock in a Saw pretty quickly. So this comp oh, we boy. see for Hammers is Lyra, Kestrel, Saw, uh, CP Kestrel, Weapon Power Saw. This is the famous push comp. Uh, you can get a lot of glimmer shots off of Kestrel, and then when Saw spun up, you know, turrets tend to fall pretty fast. Uh, Rogue actually had talked about this in our other podcast we have, uh, Time for Rolling. They talked about that push comp, and it's a lot of fun, and it's pretty successful, and it can be strong. So I was interested to see if Rogue knew this was coming out from them and if they built anything to counter this or if it was just going to be a difficult game for them altogether. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Like, I know at one point um, I saw, like, the... Um, the analysts were talking about it too that um so they had like this plan that you know obviously kestrel would put down her active camo and then saw would walk up bait kestrel i'm sorry kashka into jumping onto saw and he would be right over that active camo and as soon as that kashka jumped in they would just hit that active camo i think they did it once and it worked successfully but um 
it, they hit the active camo, obviously you get the stun off, and then Saul's just sitting there spun up, just pounding away at Kashka and destroying that Kashka. So I think, you know, obviously with that push comp and how quickly they could take down turds, plus, you know, using strategy like that, it was a very good comp for Hammers to have. I mean, I think we've so we've seen Finn, like his Force of Chords end of those Kestro pools, and that's a pretty crazy play. But putting it on top of a Saul, who we know is very tempted to jump on because he's so slow and he just sits there. So if that Kashka wants to jump on him, get off that uh, Atlas and stop him from being spun up. But, oh, my gosh, that's a pretty genius play yeah. coming out of Hammers and actually pretty well executed. But, you know, we also saw that's, that's a pretty rough game for Evolve on that Lance. Um, obviously, you get that first item fountain, but from there on, it's pretty difficult on what you want to focus on getting. Do you need War Treads to uh, engage on Assault or disengage? Do you need a contraption to spot out uh, T-Tigers on that Kestrel as she goes invisible and can kind of be a nuisance? Or do you need that Atlas to, you know, maybe roll into Saul and get that Atlas off on him. So, you know, Evolve had to get a lot of items, had to get them fast, but against a push comp like that, it's pretty hard to get those items when you have to spend a lot of time in the lane trying to defend against them, pushing down your turrets. Uh, I mean, how fast did they get that first turret? Uh, The first turret was at four minutes, so they got it pretty quick. Not the quickest we've ever seen, but pretty quick. Yeah, four minutes on a push comp like that is pretty standard. Uh, I think choke point tur- or the choke-, choke point turret was around 11. So, I mean, they ended up getting the Kraken, and I, I didn't think they needed the Kraken, but I think Hammers just kind of wanted to play it safe. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, I was interested because I was watching Sibs now. He played that Kashka back-to-back games, and he did actually go for the Shatter Glass right away, and I, I think that was a better I mean, obviously they still lost, but I think he did better uh, getting that shattered glass right away. I just, for me, I don't know. Me personally, I just want to see that prioritized either if an aftershock or a shattered glass because that Kashka has to be putting out damage for that early game. Otherwise, it just kind of, you know, eliminates the whole effect of Kashka being that early game hero. Yeah, I think aftershock does really well against heroes that may be a little more tanky and have a lot more base health. Uh, a shattered glass and doing that more glass cannon against a comp like with a low health like Saul and Kestrel was a smart move. Uh, more expensive route, but it overall can be work to your advantage later on. But against a comp like this push comp, it can be pretty hard to you know slow them down and stop them from pushing as fast as they do. So uh, Hammers go ahead and take that first game. Uh, it was pretty a difficult game for Rogue. I think they may have been thrown off by that push comp and weren't really expecting that to be thrown out like that. Yeah, absolutely. So they're still looking for a win. They just need one win. So we move on to game two here. Um, we'll break down the draft. Hammers is on the A side. Rogue is on the B side. Hammers goes ahead and uh, bans away Pedal right away. And then Rogue comes back and bans Kashka right away. So they didn't want to see Hammers have that Kashka, and apparently they didn't want Sibs to play that Kashka. So uh, Hammers then comes back, and they pick up Adagio. So there's the healer for uh, Hammers. And then Rogue obviously locks in that Lyra right away, so each team has a healer. Uh, Hammers comes back and gets rid of Samuel. And then Rogue bans out uh, Flash X's favorite uh, captain. <laughs> Flicker, and then uh, Hammers goes ahead and picks up the last two is Ringo and Fortress, and then Rogue picks up Glaive and your favorite hero, Scarf. Scarf, and it was a lane scarf too. I was pretty excited to see uh, a scarf come in the lane as that that carry and 
I mean, honestly, Hammy didn't do too bad. There was a couple fights where uh, he got his Spitfires out and throughout the ultimate and really uh, sustained with that fortified health and the Eva Harvest on that ultimate really makes Scarf pretty difficult to take down. Uh, I know starting had a little bit of a 1v1 action with him uh, in the jungle, and Hammy actually won that fight, but I think it was difficult for sibs to peel enough for scarf and to keep scarf safe and i think starting on this ringo was pretty dominant this game yeah i think they did a good job uh hammers keeping the pressure on, on to that rogue because i mean obviously with scarf scarf is not an early game hero he's gotta he's gotta get that ult built up to that late game so i think that they did a good job just um keeping that pressure on them the early game and taking that game too as well yeah, I mean, that Fortress Pritt of that Ringo, that movement speed buff really allowed Ringo to uh, put that pressure on Scarf in that late game. And uh, Scarf, you really don't want him to be able to sit back with Broken Myth and throw out Spitfires and get stacks and then be able to use his ultimate. That's when his ultimate really does shine. So, uh, you know, using that Fortress to get on top of Scarf and make him try to kite and throw out Spitfires, it really makes it difficult uh, for Scarf, so for someone who's playing Scarf. So, yeah, uh, like you said, unfortunately... Uh, Rogue does drop down to those challenger battles, and we'll be seeing them next weekend trying to fight for that uh, Vainglory 8 spot still. Yeah, so let's go ahead and move on then to the uh, the championship game here. We got the championship is C9 versus TSM. So we've seen these guys battle a couple times. Uh, so let's dive into the draft the first match here. We got... Uh, Team Solo Mid is on the A side. Cloud9 is on the B side. So right away we see Team Solo Mid, they ban out Adagio. And then uh, Cloud9 bans out that Kashka. They don't want uh, Vansi on that Kashka. And then um, Team Solo Mid goes ahead and picks up that Lyra. And then Cloud9 picks up that Lance. And then for the next two bans, we got Team Solo Mid banning out that Petal, which I don't think they wanted Cloud9 to have that Petal with that I Love Joseph. We know how good he can be on that. And then uh, Cloud9 bans out that Glaive. So the final two pickups for each team was Team Solo Mid, Jewel, and uh, Samuel. And then the two pickups for Cloud9 were Ringo and Catherine. And I did not like that Catherine pickup. Yeah, so we've seen this jungle Catherine being pulled out. Uh, like me and you have talked about before, we think Lance probably offers a little more in that jungle role uh, with maybe a contention bow or just double sorrow blade in general. That does a lot of damage. But uh, Sweet Generous, he has defended this Catherine very hard on the desk. Uh, you are supposed to hyper carry her, use Catherine to disrupt the early game jungle, and allow Ringo to rotate down. Take I Love Joseph's back and let I Love Joseph have a storm crowd, maybe an aftershock, and really just use her as CC. Get those stuns off, use those blast trimmers. But we didn't see old school come through with that hyper carry and really have extra that extra tier three item. At one point, we saw a fight in by the Kraken Pit where he almost took down Best Chuck on that jewel. If he really just needed one more, you know, extra crit item or um, just that extra advantage to take down that jewel. But, I mean, that fight was a pretty decisive fight and kind of allowed TSM to really dominate that game. Yeah, I think I would like to see this comp executed correctly. I have total faith in Sweetie Generous that it works. Obviously, in scrims it works because teams would not run it if it worked. I'd like to see maybe teams still admit and see if they've ever tried this or if they do run this type of comp. But I think overall... 
you could put that Catherine as the captain and put that Lance as the jungler, and you would have probably maybe a better uh, better effect, even seeing like a Dark Potato build where you get Aftershock and still have Ringo do that hyper carry. That's definitely viable with that Lance. Uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah. we see this final 7-0 for TSM. They take this win. Uh, like you said, you know, we see old school, or I Love Joseph. All he had was an Aftershock. He had a storm. He had a storm banner. Didn't even have a storm crown, and really had no defense. Yeah. So he was just relying on his shield to help deflect damage and keep him alive. But even that wasn't enough, and it was a pretty boring game. Fifteen fifty. We see the game over, and TSM looked really strong in that game one. All right. So yeah, let's go ahead and dive into the second game here in the draft. Um, Cloud Nine now is obviously on the A side, and TSM's on the B side. Uh, Cloud9 goes ahead and they ban out Kashka right away. Uh, TSM bans out the Lance. So that leaves both healers to go through. Um, both teams pick up a healer. Cloud9 gets Lyra. Team Soulmaid gets Adagio. And next we see, actually, they, uh, Cloud9 bans out Ringo and TSM comes back and bans out Vox. So I think that was a smart decision there to get rid of that. Uh, and then the final two pickups for Cloud9 is Glaive and Finn couple bruisers there and then tsm picks up pedal and kestrel yeah i mean we saw i was interested to see how this fin would work out in this comp uh with this pedal fin can be kind of hard fin can be it can be hard to get away from a pedal when she can just chunk you down with her munions uh we saw another actual weapon power glaive coming out and then we saw old school on lyra in the lane another cp lane lyra Old school right now is playing this extremely well. I remember Best Chuck saying that Lane Lyra is pretty hard to make work. It has to be with a specific comp, and I think Cloud9 has been having a lot of success with Lane Lyra because this is the second time they've run her now. Yeah, I mean, I was interested to see personally, like, both these teams had a lot of uh, healing slash, like, fortified health uh, from each of their, their, uh, their heroes. I mean, obviously, you got the Lyra and the Dazzle that can do healing, and then you got Finn. Uh, he's got the Fortified Health, and then you have Petal, who can do the spontaneous combustion. So I just thought it was going to be interesting to see, like, how much of this, uh, the healing, was going to affect these battles. Yeah, so we saw some questionable play coming out of Flash this game, actually. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Adagio is really not someone we see Flash get. Like, we normally see Flash on uh, Flickers, Glaives, Lance. We don't really see him, or Lyra's. We never really see him get on Adagio. So, uh, I have to look back, but I, it's been a while since he's maybe played a lot, uh, da, uh, Captain Adagio as much as, you know, like, like he did in this game. And his positioning was a little bit off. Uh, we actually saw him miss a Crucible on the Finn pull, which, you know, won a team fight for Cloud9. That was blew my mind because he never does. And that was just stri- strictly from lack of vision. And we saw the first team fight go over to Cloud9 because Flash, followed up by his two little ducklings right behind him, they just blindly <laughs> go into they blindly go into C9's tri-bush, and they're all just standing there waiting. Like, one, he didn't have a... Uh, flare, which is fine. Sometimes you just don't have a flare. This is the beginning of the game. You should have a flare on you. And if you don't, why? I mean, maybe they just thought their rotation was slightly off and they thought they were on their way from the backs. But nope, Cloud9 was sitting right there. And that really just started the game out strong for Cloud9. Uh, do you want to kind of talk about the item we had for Flash X that he pulled out? 
I want to talk about your two little. Ducks. I don't even know where that came from. How can I follow that up? I mean, listen, on stream, you saw Flash walking down the middle, and then <laughs> Best Chuck and Von C were like two little ducklings. They're just like walking right behind. I'm like, oh, just following in our leader right to our death. <laughs> like they couldn't you even do your leader. They couldn't even do anything. All right. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Flash X. Uh, yeah. Like like you were talking about some of his questionable plays and stuff. Then he actually picks up an alternating current. Like. What? Why? Okay, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I didn't understand it. Obviously, I'm never going to question Flash X. He knows what he's doing. He's very good at what he does. But I, like, what? I have never seen him do this before. So, you, you got anything on this? We saw. We've seen Gabe Vissel do this, but we've seen Gabe pick up alternating current. Current as a last item to give that more crystal for this healing and just you know more auto attack, more damage, but. Here's what Flash's build is. Tier 1 boots. Tier 1 boots, which means he only tier 3 support items he has is a fountain and a crucible. He doesn't even have an atlas yet. He actually bought a piercing shard, then sold it, then got armor. So I have no idea if Flash was just like, we're going to lose the game anyways. I'm just going to pick up this item. I don't know. He just, <laughs> uh, he didn't have any war trades. He didn't have, yeah, I was super confused with what Flash was doing. Uh, Bonsi in that jungle position, he tried to get his damage off on Petal. We've seen him be dominant before, but it really just depends. You know, Petal can kind of struggle with a, against a Glaive, especially a Glaive that has a Sorrow Blade and almost another breaking point. But uh, I mean, this is a minute 19, so it wasn't that quick of a game. And we see a uh, pretty lackluster of items. Honestly, the whole story of this matchup is old school going 10 and 1 on a Crystal Power Lyra. Yep. He, he was top notch on that Lyra. So, I mean, yeah, at TSM, they did a, a or I'm sorry, C9 got the Kraken at the 17 minute mark. Uh, TSM did do a pretty good job. They actually uh, killed the Kraken. And they were trying to defend off the rest of C9, but they hung around long enough and ended up just pushing down the turrets and, and taking out the uh, the vein crystals. So that was the end of game two. Yeah, so let's go ahead and move over to game three, break down this last draft. Um, I know it's not crucial for either of these teams to pick up this last win, so maybe we're going to see some different heroes come out of them. But uh, for the most part, it's pretty standard. Team Solo mid on side A goes ahead and bans out that Adagio. Cloud9 on side B, they ban out that Lyra. Uh, first pickups, we see a Lance coming from Team Solo mid. And then we see a uh, Glaive coming out of Cloud9. Uh, first ban, second ban for Team Solo mid, we see Ringo. And then we see that Kashka banned away. Uh, they don't really want to pick up the Kashka because there's a Lance on Team Solo mid. And they don't really want Team Solo mid and that Bond C to get on that Kashka. Uh, for second round picks, we get Team Solo mid picking up that Kestrel and a Samuel, which I was excited to see Von C back on a Samuel, see if he can still play Samuel as strong as he used to. And then for the last two picks for Cloud9, we see Vox and Fortress. Yeah, so I want to kind of talk about the Fortress and Glaive pickups for Cloud9. I like that, that pickup because, like we had talked about earlier, that Fortress is all go, 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 engage, 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 but has no disengage. So... It, in case, I guess you could say that Cloud9 doesn't have a good early game, that you know they're not just going to get snowballed and turned into an avalanche and not be able to disengage. Um, you know, that Glaive kind of offers a little bit more of that peel, I guess. You know, if if they're trying to disengage, he can afterburn and you know knock back the Kestrel or uh, the Samuel and try to help prevent 
you know, aces or anything like that. So I like that pickup set together, but a fortress by itself with, you know, like whether it's a box or whoever else it is, uh, you better have a good early game in my opinion. Otherwise it's, it's going to be a quick 15 minute game and you're going to be on the losing side of it. Yeah. I mean, we see Ringo being banned and Vox being picked up. So we see Team Civil Mid picking up this Kestrel. I think they're trying to make this Kestrel work. We see a lot of teams having success with it. So uh, I know Gwen and Baron are other heroes that maybe I would have liked to see Best Truck try out this last game. Uh, Flash X, once again, we got this time we have three Tier 3 items. So I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> we had Fountain, uh, the Atlas, and War treads, maybe a crucible would have been nice to block a Vox silence, but he also does have a heavy prism, so uh, that crystal power must have been important for uh, Flash X in this last game. Yeah, I mean, so it was pretty much a pretty slow early game, I guess, not a whole lot going on, but I mean, C9 did end up getting the Kraken at the 15 minute mark. Uh, C9 then ate at the 18 minute mark and took it for the game winner. So that's how that pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, so we see Cloud9 taking this last matchup uh, against Team Solo Mid and winning the last Vanglory 8 weekend heading into Challenger Battles. Uh, the point breakdown for North America we see Team Solo Mid at the top with 27. We see Cloud9 in second with 20. We see Hammers in third with 17. Gangstars in fourth with 16. Immortals safe and sound with five in that fifth place. And then the three teams that need to watch out for next week will be Rogue with four, Echo Fox and Misfits rounding out the bottom with zero. So we see Team Solo Mid with 27, a pretty solid lead. Uh, Cyclone with 19 on Europe. A slight gap between the number one spots in Europe and NA. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we've seen with Europe, we've had, what, three different champions in the week? And then North America, we've had uh, Team Solomid, Cloud9. Hammers. We have Hammers? We did have Hammers hammers last week. I guess they both had, I guess they both have three, but, you know, that's like we've said from the beginning that every game counts. So even if you're in that third place matchup and you win one of the two games or one of the three games, you know, you're still getting those points. So, yeah. So why don't you go ahead and give away MVPs? We struggled a little bit on this week trying to decide who was the, the better uh, jungler, but why don't you go ahead and give our awards out for our last weekend? All right. So for the jungler, we gave it to Von C. Uh, surprise, surprise there. Um, do you have anything to say about that really? I think Vonsi, the only reason why he won it this week was mostly because I think Best Chuck did struggle slightly, didn't have as strong as games, and Vonsi had a couple games on pedal that he proved himself that he, he was pretty strong with. Yeah, and then so for our captain, I think it's a pretty easy decision. We gave to Gabe this this week. I mean, when Flash X is building alternating current, current and other stuff like that, um, Sorry, Flash, we just can't give it to you this week. So, Yeah, Gabe had a lot of pretty insane uh, in, uh, plays with his impales and Githian walls on that Lance, and just seeing his flawless, even him on that fin, he had some pretty good pulls, and his three-man quivers are you know pretty impossible to block those and get out of those. So Gabe did an overall pretty strong job. Uh, our laner, uh, we decided just from how strong he was with that Lyra, we're going to go ahead and give it to old school he honestly, 10-1 on Lyra one game, and the game before that, he dominated just as, just as well. So 
I think old school definitely deserves it. Uh, I kind of had been critical of him in the past, not performing as well. And I love Joseph being that dominating force for C9. But honestly, all together, old school, I love Joseph. And uh, Gabe Bizzle just had a great end uh, last weekend to end up their split one. Yeah, it was an exciting weekend, man. Um, I'm ready for some challenger battles next weekend, though. How about you? Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, if these teams in the challengers have what it takes to beat and dethrone these Vanglory 8 teams, and that's definitely something we'll be talking about later in our uh, another episode later this week. Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't been watching any of the VGL or the VIS, um, good time to actually watch it. Obviously, will be this coming weekend when, the, when we have these uh, challenger battles. You'll get to see a lot of new names if you haven't been watching One Piece 101, some of the other guys in there. Um, they're, they're good, so it'll be interesting to see. Good. Thanks as always. But no problem, man. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, again, we'll be doing a giveaway, so follow us on Twitter at timeforrolling underscore esports. Also, make sure you're following the Time for Rolling podcast at Time for Rolling to keep up with their new episodes and all the giveaways they'll be doing. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and keep on rolling on the fold. Time for Rolling 